Hey everybody, welcome back to Monster Soundwave. My name's Robert Snow, and I'm so glad to have you back this week. Um, we've got a bunch of news to talk through, and then Evan and I are going to be discussing a myriad of virtual tabletop tools and technology tools and places that you can purchase things online for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we're not really in the middle of a pandemic, but we're still lingering in a pandemic and so uh we are mostly playing online and so we've got some experience with that and we've checked out some of the other things that are out there so we're going to share with you some of our favorite things some of the different ways that we work through stuff um and we'll get to all of that but first uh fair amount of news uh over the last two weeks uh, but we'll start with the newest thing today, October 12th. Wizards announced a new book. It is called Critical Role, Call of the Nether Deep. Um, it's an adventure book, and it is focused on uh, some of the campaigns that they have run over on Critical Role. Now, Evan, for people who have never seen Critical Role, uh, could you give like a one sentence or two sentence like elevator pitch for what that show is? A group of voice actors play D and D and get into hijinks. And it's actually kind of funny to watch fun slash funny. Yeah. Um, so they're big over on Twitch and this is actually like the second and a half book uh, that's based on some of their like hijinks and uh, campaigns that they've run. It's an adventure book, uh, and uh, this is from the D&D &D, announcement on their website today. Uh, inspired by the campaigns of the hit series Critical Role, this adventure begins in the wastes of Zoras and leads to the glimmering oasis city of Ankharel on the continent of Marquette, and from there into a sunken realm of gloom, corruption, and sorrow known as the Netherdeep. Above it all, the red moon of Ruidus watches twisting the fates of those who have the power to shape the course of history and if i pronounce any of those things wrong it's because i've never seen critical role and i'm just reading straight off the page so uh it's an adventure module so it's not a campaign book there is the wildemont uh the explorer's guide to wildemont campaign book um the adventure for levels three to twelve um and it plunges players into the nether deep, a terrifying cross between the far realm and the deep ocean. Uh, so kind of looks like a cool book. Wasn't what I was expecting at all. Uh, this is kind of the scary place that Chris Perkins has teased during D&D &D celebration. And this book is coming out March 22nd. Let me see. Hold on. March 15th. So it's coming out March 15th, 2022. So it'll be the next book after Strixhaven. Um, so uh, any thoughts about this here, Evan? Uh, I think it looks interesting. Um, it's just looking it over. I don't, it's one of those things where it's, I don't know if it's any something that I'll be picking up. Um, I'm not huge in a critical role. Like I've seen a little bit of it. So, um, I guess, you know, I'll, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely check it out. You know, I'll look into it when it 
uh, if we get closer to it and I decide whether or not I'll pick it up. But uh, it looks interesting at the very least. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that I always look for in adventure books is, is there anything that I can pull out of this if I'm never going to run this adventure? Right. Like, how, how much of this can I pull into another game? Like, whether it's a homebrew or another campaign or a different setting or something. So, you know, if there's a couple chapters about, like, underwater cthulhu type stuff with those type of monsters in it you know if there's a big bestiary in the back um that's definitely something that i'll be interested in so probably check this one out at my local game store before i buy it but uh anyways so that's probably the biggest piece of news uh some other stuff has come out wizards recently released an enormous pre-painted miniature of the five-headed dragon tiamat it costs 399 dollars they have also announced that a tarasque in the same style slash size is coming in 2022 and evan we were talking about this before the show this thing is uh it's ginormous yeah and uh it costs the same as like a modern gaming system you know, you're talking about an Xbox or a PlayStation here for the price of this miniature. Yeah. Uh, for for a miniature that, best case scenario, assuming you ever play with it, you ever use it at a table, you're probably going to use it maybe once in a campaign. Like for, for Tiamat, like assuming you're playing in Tyranny of Dragons or uh, maybe out of Avernus, you might use it once. This is, it's the kind of thing you buy as like a novelty, really as to like to show people and display, which don't get me wrong, is really awesome. Like that, like it would be a really awesome display piece. But for $400, like that's a lot of money. Like that's, I mean, like it's like you said, that's a, like that's a PlayStation. Yeah. Like for $400, like it comes down to like, if I'm going to buy $400 worth of miniatures, I would rather buy a bunch of miniatures. Like I'd rather buy like, three or four of the adult sized dragons that I would use a lot more or like a couple of dozen of the of smaller minis that I would use a lot more often rather than the great big miniature, which what would look really cool. I would probably never, ever going to actually use at the table. It's again, maybe once ever. Yeah. I, I think that this is a collector's item. Obviously, you know, yeah. this is something right. that you, uh, that you put up on your mantle or, you know, I think probably game stores will maybe like display this on their front window or something like that. Like, but uh, I can't see this being something that people are buying to use in their games. This is this is a show and tell miniature yeah. uh, for sure. And uh, it it must have sold all right, though, because within a week of it coming out, they announced the Tarrasque coming next year. So. Uh, there must be at least some yeah. demand for it. I'd, I'd, uh, be I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit tempted, but oh sure, yeah. Like, as soon as I get that again, it's just like it's like four hundred dollars. Again, again, that's just that's so much money for just one thing. Again, yeah, that you're that's never like, really going to use. I mean, that's like all of my bills minus my mortgage for the month. You right. know, like or that's like a major. Maybe not a major, but that's like a pretty big repair on my car yeah, for right. for a hunk of painted plastic. So. Yeah, it's it's a laptop. Yeah, 
That's a lot. Um, okay, our next piece of news, number three on our list, is maybe some sad news, but it's not too sad. Uh, Wizards has delayed both of its books uh, for this year that are coming out. Fizzvan's Treasury of Dragons is moving back one week to October 26th. And Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos is moving back three weeks to December 7th. Now, during the D&D celebration, they had talked about some supply chain issues, primarily with the gift set, the expansion gift set that was originally going to come out in November, but has now been pushed to January. And so now, again, we get some more news about books that are coming out a couple weeks later. So um, this doesn't seem to have to do anything with printing or issues like that. It seems to all just be the world shipping crisis that that is happening yeah. um i guess maybe there's a bunch of these containers of books sitting off uh offshore and at the port of los angeles or somewhere but uh a couple weeks more before those books are going to be coming out any thoughts on the seven i think it's one of those things that's like unfortunate but like it's a week so like would i you know am i you know am i a little disappointed that i'm not going to get to read it you know a week earlier than I thought. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's one of those things where I read the news and it's like, oh, that's unfortunate. But I mean, it's not like, I don't consider it to be like super earth shattering or, you know, particularly depressing or anything. It's just, you know, just one of those things. It's like, oh, that's too bad. If it were sure. like, you know, a month or two, that would be really unfortunate. But like a week right. and then three weeks for strict save. And it's just one of those, you know, and it's one of those things where like, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that the more the longer this goes on that this we, we may see this start to happen more and yeah, more often I, so this may start to become the new normal right i think we're gonna need you know at some point they're gonna factor in a much longer shipping time or you know or printing you know somewhere else but as long as things are still getting printed in east asia and put on ships to the rest of the world i think we've got to count on on shipping delays for, for a lot of different things. Uh, one thing I'll say is that this spreads the books out a little bit more because yep. originally there was only going to be two months between when wild beyond the Witchlight and Strixhaven came out and Fizzbands was going to come out in between those. And so now there's a little bit more space in between the three books, which I actually think is good because it gives people a little bit more time to, to get their finances in order and, and, get the books and stuff like that so i i'm actually fine with spreading out the books right i'm i'm kind of like hey if you're going to release five books a year or six books a year you can release one every two months instead of releasing three of your five books one month right after each other but yeah, right i'm sure sure it's more complex than that i'm not going to be uh all right so next up, number four, is Edge Studios, which is owned by Asmodee, which is a big board game publisher, will be releasing a Legend of the Five Rings RPG using the D&D 5th Edition SRD. Um, Legend of the Five Rings, previously a property that was owned by Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast, and they actually, I think in 3rd Edition, use the legend of the five rings as kind of a jumping off point for their old oriental adventures yep. um so 
now, Edge Studios, which is under Fantasy Flight Games, which is under Asmodee, uh, is now because they now own the license to Legend of the Five Rings. They're gonna use the fifth edition SRD to bring Legend of the Five Rings back to Dungeons and Dragons, but it's not really Dungeons and Dragons. So, anyways, comicbook.com had the scoop on this. Uh, that's where I picked it up. So they've just announced it. They haven't it, it will be multiple books, they said. So we'll have to see uh yeah. what is involved in that. Um what are your thoughts on the seven? I mean, I it's one of those things where like I owned Oreo. I think I still own Oreo Endel Adventures, the copy of that. I think uh Rokugan and Legend of the Five Rings is a really cool setting. Um I really think it'll be really cool if they bring it to five E. But it's also one of those things where I think it's such a unique setting. I don't know how they're gonna port it to five E necessarily. Um I kinda wanna see more details before I get real excited about it beyond just hey this is the thing this is happening i kind of want to see a little bit more about who's working on it and uh, kind of what format is it going to take um but i think it's a cool concept again like i I really like the setting um i don't think they really did it super justice in oriental adventures um just from what i remember i think it was kind of thrown together in uh third edition and they kind of because I mean, I, I think there was a very brief time where I like we talked about maybe trying to run like a campaign in there, and it never actually happened, um, for a variety of different reasons. But it, the the system itself was was not great. But I mean, yeah. it's a really it's like a really cool like you know the whole like Wuxia like you know, um, mythical East setting. I think it's I think it's and it's one that they really haven't done, and it doesn't really have a really concrete setting so far in uh fifth edition that I'm aware of. So. It'd be cool, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and Wizards has brought weirder things to Fifth Edition. They uh, absolutely have. Just recently, I I never put this in any of our news, but Nerds Candy has a Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition rule set. So, if you want to play as a nerd, literally as a nerd candy, you can do that. So. Um, so Legend of the Five Rings seems to fit at least a little bit more than nerds. If somebody had told me, like, I'll give you a million dollars to guess the the craziest thing that Wizards is going to team up with, I would have never guessed nerds candy. Uh, but there it is. Um, okay, so we've got two more kind of big pieces of news here. And we're going to start with uh, what's coming sooner. So on D&D Beyond earlier this week, they released the preview of the new Ranger subclass from Fizban's Treasury of Dragons. And it is the Drake Warden. Um, so I'll read this first little summary here, and then we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, so it says, your connection to the natural world takes the form of a draconic spirit, which can manifest in physical form as a drake. As your powers grow, your drake grows as well, blossoming from a small four-legged companion to a majestic winged creature, large and strong enough for you to ride. Along the way, you gain an increasing share of the awe-inspiring power of dragons. Um, so uh, you 
couple of things that you get. You get this uh, Drake companion at third level. Um, and then it grows with you. So it gets some bonuses at seventh level. Um, and then some more at 11th and 15th level. And they've got a stat block here for your Drake companion. Um, it has a bite attack. Uh, at seventh level, its bite attack becomes magic, and you can ride your Drake, but it can't fly. So even if it has a flying speed, you can't fly uh, while you're riding on it. And then uh, it gets a breath attack at eleventh level. Um, actually, sorry. So it looks at Evan. Correct me here if I'm reading this right. It looks like. Drake's breath, so you or your dragon can um can make a breath action, like a Correct. breath attack action. Yep. Um and then you so, can use it once, and then if you burn a third level slot uh or higher, you can use it again. Yeah. And then it resets when you get a long rest. Yeah. Pretty cool. 8d6 damage on a failed save. Yep. It's an it's 11th level, so it's pretty high. Um, but not bad. Yeah. And then at 15th level, uh, your bike gets better. Your Drake has becomes large. Uh, you can, when you're riding it, it can use its flying speed. Um, and it also gains. It so for the Drake resistance. So I feel like of the Ranger classes I've read so far, this is one of the better ones. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it's no secret that of all the classes, Ranger is kind of the weakest, and so they're... I think Watsi is still trying to, you know, trying to catch up and improve Ranger, and I think they've done, a, you know, they're, they've done kind of a yeoman's job. They're, they're doing a better job of trying to improve it. Tasha's did, uh, did work trying to improve it. I think this is one of the better subclasses. Yeah. In terms of flavor, I think it's great flavor. I think if, you know... um this, if you know, if I was going to play a ranger, this is probably the kind of ranger I'd be tempted to play. Because you know, who doesn't want a pet dragon? I mean, like that's just this is a cool concept. Yeah, I think I think that if you are using the alternate rules in Tasha's and you take this class, like you're gonna be, uh, at least you're gonna feel useful to your yeah. party uh, on a basic level. Um, you probably won't be the most powerful in in some things but i think that as a ranger with a pet dragon that has a fly speed that you can summon to yourself um that can take actions on your turn that you can use your bonus action to command it i think uh i think that this brings the at least the combat side of being a ranger up on par with the other like mid-tier classes right. um so I like it. 
Um, yeah. I wish you could fly on the dragon earlier, but also I think there's a level of brokenness to that, uh, you know, yeah, which is probably why it's seventh level. It's like, yeah, you can ride it, but you can't fly it. So um, pretty cool and neat that they released the whole thing. You know, a right. lot of times when they do these previews, they'll just kind of drop like here's like one of the like it, they could have really easily just like released like the flavor text and the origin type stuff yeah. and not release the rest. But I think that maybe they're trying to push Fizz Vans a little bit harder. I, I really enjoyed it. Now the other class, the monk, uh, has not been has not been released yet. Uh, but whenever that is, we'll talk about it here on the show yeah. for sure. Um, all right. Uh, so another thing that happened over the last two weeks is uh, Wizards has launched a new playtest called Travelers of the Multiverse. And uh, it is basically an unearthed arcana type deal where there are six new six, seven, six. There's six new races uh, that people can try out. They are the Astral Elf, an elf denizen of the astral plane who is likely thousands of years old, an autonome, mechanical gnome gifted with free will, a gif, which is a hippo-headed being of impressive size, a hadozi, a highly adaptive simian being who uses wing-like membranes to glide, a plasmoid, an amoeba-like being, and a classic thrycreen, a six-limbed telepathic insectoid. Um, so they give a little bit of information about creating your character, um they give you the uh the traits of these different uh races um and uh it's um i don't know what did you think about this play test that you saw there uh, just glancing through it i mean first of all i read through it i think either uh planescape or spelljammer is probably in the offing hard to say which Based on the fact that, you know, that it's Thrycreen, which says Dark Sun, and then Gif and the Astral Elf, I mean, I kind of want to say it seems almost more Spelljammer, but, you know, what the heck do I know? Um, that's where my mind goes first. Beyond that, um, it could be multiple things. I mean, the fact that there's Thrycreen could mean that, you know, some of the stuff could be from Planescape, and there might be a Dark Sun supplement in the future. Which would be really cool because I really like Dark Sun. But whatever it is, I mean, I think it's cool. Uh, I would be okay with any of those things. Um, as for the races themselves, uh, the Astral Elf looked interesting. Um, Thrycreen uh, are one of those races that, in from previous experience and other editions, are really cool in concept and tend not to work great at the table. So we'll see, though. Um, but uh, I guess you know I just I give a banal you know uh looks interesting I guess. Yeah. So uh, the two that are like most interesting to me that I think might show up as playable races in the Monstrosities book are, but that's got to already be printed and stuff. If they were thinking that that was going to be shipped in December and yeah. the only reason it's coming in January is because shipping slowed down, I'm guessing that maybe these aren't in there. Um, but the plasmoid and the thrycreen, the plasmoid is an ooze. Uh, 
And one of the things it says is plasmoids are amorphous beings with no typical shape. In the presence of other folk, they often adopt a similar form, but there's little chance of mistaking a plasmoid for anything else. And then the Thrycreen are giant bug people. Yeah. And so this goes back to when people play monstrous races, it works best when you're in a non-traditional fantasy campaign. Right. You know, where it's like, hey, you, you know, you can play a monster because we're running Spelljammer. We're in Dark Sun. Yeah. Or, or this race is native to this area, you know. Um the autonome is a construct. I actually think the autonome looks really uh, like, I think it looks like a fun, a fun race to play. And one other thing when they do creating your character, they list ability score increases, not for each race, but instead what they say is when determining your character's ability scores, increase one of those scores by two and increase a different score by one or increase three different scores by one. Follow this rule regardless of the method you use to determine the scores, such as rolling or point by. Whichever scores you decide to increase, none of the scores can be raised above 20. Do you think that this, this ability score uh, rule here, do you think that this is going to show up in that new edition of D&D? Absolutely. Like, I think that's going to be the new normal. I think now that every race is probably going to look like that. Like we're not going to see elf uh, plus two decks minus or anything like that. We're going to see uh, under races. We're going to see those rules for abilities. And then they're going to see all the different races that look a lot very similar to those. Like there aren't going to be any more ability score adjustments whatsoever. I think that's like I would be genuinely shocked if that isn't how it plays out. Yeah. And I think that you're probably going to get more variety at your table of the different races that people play because they won't, you won't have three charisma based spellcasters all looking for what race gives me plus two to charisma. Right. Um, so you might actually get like a dwarven wizard or an elven fighter. Right. And uh, I think that that is good. It, yeah. It, some people will be like, ah, oh, it takes everything away from the race. And it's like, no, I think it gives everything back to the race. It's yeah. like, what are the actual racial abilities? You know, right. instead of just the math hammer tools, because I'll tell you what, man, in 3.5, it was just like, uh, all I care about is what ability like score increases these races yeah. have. And and I'll be role-playing a, uh, like, you know, <laughs> a, a strong buff human martial character because i don't want to deal with spells uh so yeah. doesn't doesn't matter what <laughs> you know what they are i'm just looking for whatever gets plus two in in the scores that i need so um but i i think that this is good so anyways uh you can find this this is on the blog or this yeah this is on the wizards page the preview of the ranger is over on dnd beyond and then uh, the the new book uh, that we talked about earlier, uh, which is Call of the Nether Deep, is also on the uh, main D and D Wizards of the Coast page. So those are all fun things to look forward to. Um, and last bit of news: uh, this week I got delivered uh, the 
Grim Hollow Player's Guide and the Grim Hollow Campaign Guide. And I've started reading through them. These are some third-party things from Kickstarter. Uh, you can pick them up. Uh, I think you can order the physical copies now on Grim Hollow's uh, website, which is Ghostfire Gaming. And uh, you can also pick them up, I think, on DMs Guild and stuff like that. And we're going to be talking more about DMs Guild later uh, when we get to our main topic of the show. So, um, anyways, always fun to have new books uh, to be looking through, reading through, thinking through. So, it's kind of fun stuff. Um, all right, Evan, are you ready to get into the topic of the show? I believe so. All right, so... Today, we're going to be talking about technology and games, um, and we're going to be looking at uh, kind of like three different uh, types of technology that we that we use or that are available out there. So the first is going to be virtual tabletops, uh, where this is like a platform where everybody can log in and you can play virtual dungeons and dragons with what you have there. Then we're going to look at some of the different places that you can um, purchase online, whether it's books, PDFs, tools, uh, things like that. And then we're going to look at some of the other like unique things that you can add to um, to your game. Uh, we'll, we'll look at some tokens, makers, and stuff like that that we'll talk about that we use. So, um, Evan, let's start with uh, your forte. Uh, you've been running games on Roll20 now for for how long? Oh, gee. Uh, uh, I have to actually think about it now. <laughs> like four years? Five years? Around five years now on Roll20. Um, yeah. And so Roll20 is a free-to-use platform, right? Correct. Um, it's uh, free to use if you don't want any additional features or anything. If you just want the regular vanilla uh, vanilla services, you don't have to pay a dime to use it. And you can import, like, if you have digital maps that you've purchased somewhere else, you can import those into Roll20. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Um, and it's free for any... It's It's free for the DM. It's free for the players. It's really just, like, a... It's just a 2D virtual tabletop. Um, now, you can also purchase things in Roll20. Um, and so as far as D&D goes, you can purchase entire books in Roll20. What would you get? Like, let's say if you bought Curse of Strahd on Roll20, what what does that come with? Like, what tools does that give you? Uh, well, if say if you purchase that, you would get... Uh, first of all, you would get the module in the Roll20 form, which would mean you'd get all the text in the module, uh, you know, all the the data, everything that's in the adventure. You would also get uh, all of the creature stats converted into what are called tokens, which are just the uh, like the little icons that you can move around on the maps. All of which leads me to say that you get all of the battle mats are converted for the virtual tabletop that you can move all of your uh, players' tokens around on there with all of the lighting all have already been enabled, all of the vision blocking done. That means that, like, where there are doors and walls, that's already set up so that if your players are moving around, 
it's set up so that you know if they go around a corner um it'll only it will only reveal where there's no wall for the based on their what their line of sight is and if there's a door it won't reveal past the door and until they open it where you know you can go in and delete that uh layer there so it'll show what's beyond the door and uh you know if you've got the monster tokens you can drop in so that's already all done um and like that's already set it up you don't have to worry about setting up the individual monsters you don't have to worry about making the digital maps that's all done for you uh, the text of the adventure is already all in there. So a lot of the minutiae of having to convert the adventure to a digital format is already done. Um, so, you know, the the actual, like the physical, the the, uh, the conversion part is done. Um, pretty much all you have to worry about is a lot more of the getting players and their characters set up. Uh, the actual running of the game you can focus on. Plus, if you want to throw any of your own stuff in there and make additional maps or anything, that's kind of on you. But all the official stuff is already converted. And that's super nice. As someone who's converted modules before without having purchased it, it saves a lot of time because it's extremely tedious to have to throw a map on and then have to do all the vision blocking and have to go through and stat up each individual token or each monster and throw it on there and go through and, you know, stat up traps and everything. That can be, you know, it can be fairly time consuming to have it already done is a huge time saver. Um, the flip side of that is, you know, you will pay for based on the book, you can pay as much as like 40 to $50 for the module. But again, you know, you are getting that in time saved. Um, so yeah, so for the module, you're getting, you're getting the maps, you're getting the creature tokens, you're getting the text of the adventure. Um, you will also get the, uh, see, I want to say that it, for Christmas Strahd, I can't remember if it came with the Taraka deck. I believe it did come with it when I purchased it. Because uh, when you get Curse of Strahd, there's a major component of it is you'll at one point you'll do a card reading. And I believe the module when you purchase it, it comes with a copy of the actual deck that you'll use. Which, um, um, that's the other thing is it's kind of its own little separate tool. And it's, uh, let's say you go through and use that and... You, that's another feature you have to kind of pick up on, but that is again kind of another cool thing. Um, again, like all of these are cool little features um, that save you a lot of time of having to do a lot of conversion yourself. So you're really, I mean, it's when you're buying a module, when you come right down to it, it's saving you all the time of having to do the conversion yourself and putting it all right at your fingertips. So, you know, if you want to save, Based on the module, I would say probably twenty hours of work. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's probably a fair assessment, as opposed to having to do the conversion yourself. I, twenty hours for having to do all the creature startups, and having to do all the map conversions. And right. I would and, and I would and I would say that even paying it at full sixty dollar price for the book, I would say it would be well worth it for someone who's now at the very end of running the module. Like I. And as someone who's bought other models before, like the, the amount of work you have to do is, and, and, and that's the thing too, is, I mean, if you're someone who doesn't mind doing it, great. But as someone who can find it to be incredibly tedious sometimes, I quite enjoy not having to do it. So sure, I mean, it's all just one of those like time is money things. If, yeah, if you're a college student and you've got lots of time, uh, you know, then you can jump into roll 20, build your own maps, set them up as complex or, or as simple as you like um you know and if you uh you know if you're an adult with a job and kids and 
you've got 50 bucks to spare. Uh, I think that that's probably definitely the way to go with roll 20. Yeah. Um, now, another one that is 2D is Astral Tabletop. Um, and that's a little bit uh, newer uh, than the other one. But they focus it more on... Uh, they it, It's got, like, map effects and stuff. It's got a lot of the same stuff that you've got in... Um, that you have in what's it called in roll 20 um it's got pre-generated character sheets for a bunch of different uh for a bunch of different modules uh but i don't know if it does for um for the uh why can't i think of it for the um for D&D. So it's got like Pathfinder and different ones like that. Um, and then some of the stuff uh, you can pay a monthly subscription um, um, or an annual subscription to get like extra layers or different um, visual effects like on the map. And also increases your uh, storage limit and your upload limit of like how big your different um, tokens and stuff like that can be so uh you know you're you're looking at like you know if you're just gonna play every now and then like you, you know it's probably worth it maybe to just play for free uh, but i think roll 20 is still really the the best like 2d virtual tabletop out there um now you talked a little bit on roll 20 about making characters. Uh, what would you say is like the hardest part about getting people to make their characters on there? Cause I think it's not super complicated to like do the character character generator and to add things in um, to your characters, but it gets maybe a little bit more costly when you're talking about purchasing all the different books that have some kind of character traits in them that's what kind of one of the issues is there are two ways to go about it. You can use the character mancer, which is not unlike using like a character creator in a video game where you're going to go through, it's going to be like, okay, choose this, you know, roll these scores. It's going to kind of do everything for you again, just like you're creating a character kind of like in Skyrim. The flip side of that is it's only going to pull from the sources you officially own. So like only if you own the pH, and, like, if you, say, wanted to pull out of, like, a class that's only in Tasha's, you're going to need to have, like, purchase Tasha's guide through Roll20. Or if you want to pull out of a race in Volo's guide, you're going to need to have that race through Volo's guide. The other way to do it is to manually enter it into a character sheet in Roll20, which is not that it's more complicated. It's just, you know, you're going to have to do it manually, which if you're a new player who either hasn't played D&D before or hasn't played it in Roll20, it's just going to be more cumbersome and you typically might need someone to kind of uh, not necessarily hover over you, but kind of talk you through it. And um, especially, you know, starting out and saying, um, okay, you know, you're going to want to do this or this, which is why maybe if this is, your, if, it's, if it's your first time, maybe limit people to just saying, okay, you know, just stick to PHB or something, which 
again, you know, although if, if you have just the PHP, that wouldn't necessarily be a huge problem. But anyway, um, that's go, go, go ahead. And just to cover something, not everybody would need to own the PHP if the DM owns it. Right. Everybody as else long gets as to PHP, use it. As long as the DM has it, whoever is hosting the uh, Roll20 session, as yeah. long as they own the books. Right. So, and, it and it has it set up so they can share ownership to those who are playing in their games, which um, there's like the whole thing you can go through. And it's not super dip difficult, but like unless you've done that, it can kind of hang you up. You just basically go into your settings and enable it. And once you've done that, you'll do it forever. And in any case, um, once you've done that, you can share through. And the character mancer is by far the easiest method. And again, it takes, honestly, using the character mancer, I would, and you can back me up here, is probably twice as fast as trying to do it like with pen and paper and book, making oh, a new yeah. character. Yeah, you can make a new character in the character mancer really quickly. Leveling up uh, is really easy. So, uh, yeah, I think I think roll twenty is uh, you know it's it's a great two D replication of what you're putting on the table, um, and it's gonna save you some time for sure. Uh, if you've bought like a if you're running an adventure, I think that if you're putting together like a homebrew content of some kind, uh, no matter what you're doing, you're going to be spending more time on it. Absolutely. Uh, and roll 20 is no different. You're going to be spending time creating maps, uh, putting together tokens, stuff like that, building NPCs or whatever. So, um, yeah, I actually feel like, but, I, but I also don't know that that's just a roll 20 issue because Basically, everything we're going to talk about today, if you're trying to build a homebrew type thing on it, you are going to be, uh, you're, you're going to be spending a lot of time on it. So, yeah. Um, I think the, uh, I think, um, I just think that's going to be true, you know. Um, so, uh, the next thing, uh, I want to talk about is there are a couple different 3d tabletops out there. Um, and different people have different ones that they really like. Uh, so one of them is, uh, we're going to talk about three of them today briefly. So there's boundary virtual tabletop. Um, and you can play Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition on there. It has a uh, it has a five E like compatible, um, I, you know, uh, system on there. And um, then there's also uh, Tailspire, which is on Steam. Um, again, it's really these are all basically tool sets is the best way to put it out there. And then there's also virtual tabletop. I'm going to talk about virtual tabletop first because it's my least favorite of these three. Virtual tabletop is essentially a physics engine and you can play all kinds of board games on it and stuff. There are mods, there are official ones. Um, everybody has to buy it. So it's normally $20 on Steam and then it goes on sale pretty regularly for 10 bucks. 
but virtual tabletop it it does get you access to lots of different things like board games and stuff like that many of which are free to play or there's a community mod on there that makes it free to play but everything that you click and move on there um it's going to take you time to learn how to build a map on there um you've got to find the mods it's not something where it just shows you like hey here's all the dungeons and dragons stuff for it like you can just import this and you're ready to go um i would say that it it was one of the first virtual tabletop systems so but as for me it feels very clunky uh would be the way that i described it uh, if you accidentally click something and drop it off the table, it like drops into space for a long period of time before it reappears. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff out there that uh, is is complicated is the best way to put it. So um, the next one that I wanted to talk about was uh, Foundry VTT, uh, which is I think pretty good uh it's 50 dollars for the dm and then you can buy other like expansions and stuff onto it um now i don't know it i don't think that you can buy a dnd 5e like expansion on it uh but maybe you can uh You know what? I'll get back to you on that one. Um, they do have uh, 5e character sheets on there. Um, and you can import your stuff from D&D Beyond. So if you own stuff on D&D Beyond, you can import things into Virtual Tabletop. So we'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about places to purchase things. Um, I think that for the most part, uh, Foundry VTT, if you're looking for something that's a little more 3D, where it's it's going to look, it's going to pop a little bit more on the screen. It's still 2D, but like your characters look more like a 3D uh, like character and stuff. Um, I think that there, somebody could argue with me that, hey, this is just as good or this is really good. Um, but again, you're talking about $50 just to get the system. Um, everybody's got to create like a login and stuff. And then on top of that, you're going to be either importing your stuff from D and D beyond or buying, um, the different modules and things like that. Uh, the last one I'm going to talk about is like a true 3d, um, like dungeon builder and it really is a tool set more than anything else and that is tailspire which you can it's on early access on steam right now um and there's some cool stuff that you can do with it um you can you can build all sorts of stuff right now i don't think you can share like the things that you build with other people um but it is it's probably the best like 3D build your own Dungeons and Dragons video game for your friends to play in type thing. So if you're looking for something that really looks more like a video game, um, Tailspire is probably the way to go. 
However, I would I would say that, like Evan said earlier, you're talking about a lot of work. You're talking about lots of time building dungeons, building towns, because you want your people to move kind of seamlessly yeah. through things. Um, so again, if you're somebody who is really adept at, you know, at sitting in front of the computer and, and building a level, you can probably do more with Tailspire than you probably can with anything else that's out there. That being said, I don't know that for your average D&D table night that you're going to want to be building multiple 3D maps with lighting and all sorts of different stuff like that into Tailspire. So um, those are all just some different virtual tabletops out there. Um, so we'll run through them again. Tailspire's 3D. Um, you do have to pay for it uh, to get in. Um, let me see. I'm pulling up my Steam really fast just to see how much it is. I'm going to put it on my wish list. So it's $25. Um, and I think that maybe everybody needs to purchase it to play. Um, so that's another thing where it's like, hey, everybody's got to pay to play. Um, they do provide a bunch of the content. So it's not like you're writing code or anything like that. Um, and the the devs are super passionate about it, so there's a lot you can do with it. Um, but it, it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews for the most part. 95% of their reviews are overwhelmingly positive. So um, I think, again, it's in early access. I think it's only going to get better with time. Um, but there's still a lot to be done there. Um. Other ones are Astral Tabletop, uh, Foundry, VTT. But the one that I would recommend and that that we play in when we play online games is Roll20. And specifically, I would say Roll20, buy a module uh, to, to run it. Um, so, uh, Evan, now... If you're not using a module or if you want to make tokens for a character, what's your go-to token builder uh, for Roll20? Uh, my go-to is Token Stamp 2. It's uh, free. It is, it's free, and you basically you just open it up, you drag an image in, and you can make a token. It's super-duper easy to use. You choose a background. It takes you all of about. Once you figure it out, it takes you about conservatively thirty seconds to make a token. Yeah. So um, you do that, and then you can just drag and drop it into roll twenty, or you know, throw it into a rollable table if you're being complicated about it. Um, and uh, you know, pretty much. And that's one of the big things that I'm looking for whenever I'm um whenever I'm looking at tools like this is how quickly can I learn it? And then once I've learned it, you know, how quick does it take to use and implement? And you know, does it do the job well? And it hits on all of those notes. So I use token stamp too. Nice. Um so uh the the next thing I wanted to talk about uh was 
where people can purchase um, online D&D books. So if they want to just get um, whether it's whether they just want to like have a PDF of the book or if they want to have something that um, gets imported into one of these different uh, one of these different titles, um, we wanted to talk about uh, some of those. So I would say that the first stop for anybody is probably DM Skilled. Would you agree? Absolutely. So DM Skilled has tons and tons of. There's a bunch of free stuff on there. You can sort by the theme, by the setting, by the edition that the book is in, because they've got everything from first through fifth. Um, you can even sort and look for virtual tabletop um, compatible uh, like books that can go in there. Um, so, uh, like if you want to get like something for uh, fantasy grounds or if you want to get something for um for one of the other like uh things you can actually pick them up like you can sort it out so that you can you know get uh like specific things um like whether it's a map pack or something else like that you can get all sorts of stuff like that on uh dm skilled um so there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you just are looking for more books, you can, there's tons and tons of stuff on there for that. So you can also pick up like core rule books. You can get a lot of the older stuff. So if you're looking stuff from third or fourth edition, a lot of it is on. Uh, why can't I think of it? Um, it's on DM's Guild is a place where you can get a lot of that stuff. So tons of fifth edition content in there. And it is linked through uh, drive through RPG. Uh, so, um, and also there's a lot of, st it's also connected to Astral Virtual Tabletop. So there's a lot of different things. One of the things that we've uh, brought up before is Domains of Delight, um, which is a, a $8 compendium about how to build your own domain of delight uh similar to the to the wild beyond the witch light um but there's tons of different like additional content there so if you're somebody who just wants more content or wants cheaper content uh you can get tons of it on dm skilled another place where you can purchase your books is uh dnd beyond and um on D&D Beyond, when one of the cool things that you can do on D&D Beyond is if you don't want to purchase an entire book, like let's say that, let's say that you really just want the, um, the Fey Lost, uh, the class from the, I can't think of it. Um, Which light? Yeah, from the Witch Light. You can just purchase that background um if you if that's the only thing you want so that's another like cool thing about that it's also really easily compatible with like mobile apps and stuff like that um not mobile apps but it's compatible with mobile mobile it, it looks good on there 
Um, and then uh, one thing to basically just like to think about on there is that you do have to pay a subscription fee of I think $4.99 or $5.99 a month. And if you pay that subscription fee, then you can turn on book sharing with all the people who are listed in your campaign. So everybody else who's in your campaign with you has access to all of the books that you have or all of the content that you have. Because, again, you don't necessarily have to buy um, entire books. Um, so, yeah, so like the wild beyond the witch late it's $30 that gets you everything from the book but if you wanted to just get the two backgrounds you could pay 2.99 for both of them or if you want to get them a la carte you could pay 1.99 for each of them um similarly if you just want to get the magic items you can purchase those separately or if you just want all the monsters you can purchase those um one of the cool things that i found while i was kind of researching all these different things is that Chrome and Firefox have an extension called Beyond 20 um, that will link your D&D Beyond and your Roll20 um, and your Roll20 game. So if you have D&D Beyond up and your character sheet's in there and then you've got Roll20 up and you have a token in there, you can link all of your character stuff from D&D Beyond to your tokens uh, on Roll20 and vice versa. And then um, you can also have your monster stats. You can roll those on there. Still don't think it's as clean if you're running a full adventure as just buying the adventure on Roll20. But if you're like me and you've already purchased a bunch of stuff on D&D Beyond and you don't want to purchase it for the second or in many cases third time for me, um, then Beyond 20 is an easy way to kind of translate that stuff over. Um, so that's that's another place to purchase things. And then uh, we've talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it one more time. Uh, somewhere where there's always new stuff coming out, where there's always new things that you can pick up, is Kickstarter. Um, Every every day that I go on Kickstarter, there are new Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition things on there uh, to back or to join up on or to support. Um, Evan, what do you think as far as like uh, like third party content for D and D? Have you have you felt like a need to pull in some of those things, or have you mainly just stayed with the actual Wizards of the Coast stuff? Well, I've used lots of third party content from uh, for D and D. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, usually stuff all over the web. Uh, are you talking about Kickstarter specific right now, or I mean just anything, anything at all? Jeez, uh, uh, DMs Guild. I have pulled so much stuff from DMs Guild. Um, typically, anytime I'm thinking, man, uh, I wonder if somebody has ever thought of this idea before or has started up this like this or, you know, a quick Google search or sometimes I'll go directly to DMs Guild or um, a Discord for the group or a Reddit for the campaign setting or, you know, for the module. 
will usually show a lot of information and will at the very least show if anyone has been thinking the same idea as you. And if they have, and if somebody's already done the work for you, that's good. And you can think, oh, somebody just saved me the work. Or if they haven't, that might be better in a way because you think, oh, nobody else has thought of this thing. Then I guess I can create this. You know, if nobody has thought of, you know, doing this thing, that this idea that I had to do this differently, I can do this and throw that in there. Or, you know, if they have, again, you know, feel free to, you know, take that idea and run with it. And so that's, I found that it's extremely helpful. And, you know, or, you know, if they, it turns out they did it and they say, hey, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. It turned out really poorly for me. Important information to have as well. Um, so I would encourage uh, people to do things like that, to check out DMs Guild and especially Reddit and Discords. And uh, again, even if you're in like a Facebook group, um, depending on what you're running, you know, either generic D&D 5e or, you know, say you're running Storm King's Thunder, you know, there's probably a Reddit for that or a Discord for that. Um, or, you know, just Googling for the various facets for that or checking the DMs Guild. But there's supplements for that and, you know, looking, you know, for the different ideas. If, if you're interested in using that, you know, and if not, you know, it's just ideas you can throw in there. So, and again, yeah. you know, and 90% of those are third party. Yep. And one of the other things on DMs Guild that I didn't mention earlier, there's a ton of free content on there where you can just download or there's yep. um, pay what you can or pay what you want um or like suggested donations and stuff like that so there's a, a ton of content on dm's guild so i i, I just want to encourage people if you've been afraid of running a game online um we've been in this pandemic now for for basic we're getting closer to years here uh you know it's been 18 months 20 months depending on what part of the world you're in um, you know, if you're not meeting up at, at the local game store, you're not feeling comfortable having a bunch of people over to your house yet. I just want to encourage you that online D&D, you know, you can go to Reddit and there's a, you know, Reddit's where you can find D&D groups where you can find DMs, where you can find a place where you can just jump in. Um, so there's a lot of options out there. Um, and, you know, for me, it's all D and D is all about telling stories and being a part of the story. And uh, I just hate to think that there are people out there who are missing out on a great story because they're afraid of using these online tools. But the reality is there's a ton of tools out there. And if you've got the time or a little bit of coin, um, you can get into it. So yep. um, Evan, before we wrap up for the night, any any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, final thoughts. Uh, just, you know, it's all out there for you. Just got to go in to look. Yep. Um, couple other things. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, share it with your friends, let them know about it. Uh, post it on social media. We'd love to, uh, we'd love to grow our audience here and we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, we're going to be starting a new arc of the show, uh, but our topic in two weeks is going to be how to read a D&D book. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about the different types of D&D books and, and how, how Evan and I read through them when we get them. So thanks so much for listening. We hope you have a great night and uh, we'll see you guys next time.